A game of rugby takes 80 minutes. That's 4,800 seconds. But it only takes one to win a scrum, to steal a line out, make a break and score a try. One second for a hero to become a legend, for one team to become champions. And it's their line-out that creates the opportunities to score their tries, and that's exactly what happened. He goes wide, and he finds a winger. Oiderman, he's faster than a bald man's haircut. Oiderman, and he gets the try. What a heartbreaker. Welcome to MLR Kickoff. We have an absolute bumper show lined up for you today. We will welcome in an LA Giltini's theme, and why not? The champs are here. The champs are here. Will they go back-to-back is a big question. We'll talk to their GM, Adam Fryer, and also get in one of the stalwarts of Major League Rugby, who was picked up in the expansion draft by LA last year. New dad as well. I'm sure we'll dive into that. Luke White, former Glendale Raptor. Now LA Giltini comes back for his second year as well. But as always... Would be remiss of me if I don't welcome in my handsome, intelligent, well-spoken co-host, the professor, Pete Steinberg. Pete, and you are finally home. We've got you at finally home. home. Finally home. Yep, finally home. I think that like maybe three weeks on the road. A little crazy. Um, thought I was going to spend February at home, but got a couple of clients who want me to, to to take some trips. So we'll probably have a few more. But very happy to be home. We're expecting eight to twelve inches of snow tonight, Dan. So. Oh, Fingers crossed. The, yeah, you, you missed the that? shovels ready. No, shovels I think out. I think we're actually getting quite a bit of snow. It's snowing right now in Kansas. So right. uh, the difference is think... we have the nice dry snow that's actually mm-hmm. pretty easy to shovel. Right, you get the wet stuff, but you can make better snowmen. You can't make snowmen in, in Colorado. That is true. Right. You cannot. It won't. It won't stay together. Snowball fights stay together. The more velocity you throw, the less chance of staying together. It's a total yeah. nightmare. But anyway, why I, I, I digress. We've got a big guillotine steam show coming up. Let me ask you this real quickly. They went into last season deservedly favourites. You look at their roster, it was pretty star-studded. There is a little bit of thought going around in the, in the chat rooms and the general public that they're actually stronger this year than they were last year. What do you think, Professor? I, I think I, – I agree. I think, I think they are stronger, but I think, you know, um, we, we think about the Giltinis last year, Dan, and we think about their start, right, where they were winning by – they were scoring 40 points regularly for – I think, what, the first five games until they came across New York. And, um, you know, we thought they were going to blow everyone away. But as the season went on, people adjusted. I mean, well, you know, we'll hear a little bit about, you know, what they did from both of our guests today that might have helped them have that start. So they were ahead of the crowd. Obviously, they're, you know, a a great team and, and great champions. But it wasn't as easy as those first five or six games suggested so i think they're better but i also think there are other teams in the league that are better too yeah i agree well one of the men charged with building the roster that was last year and again this year was their gm adam fryer pete you and i had a chance to sit down with him early today so let's get him into the show right now adam fryer from the la Kiltinis. all right joining us now la Kiltinis gm adam fryer and the burning question to get us kicked off has What's harder in the off-season, player off-season or GM off-season? Oh, I would 100% say GM off-season. Uh, and a lot of people ask me about last year and then being hard. Second year is twice as hard. I was going to say, is there such a thing as an off-season for a GM? 
Well, no, not really. Um, and I, I, I don't want to disrespect the season, but uh, a lot of us would say uh, it, it's actually easier during the season because you roll out your plan and, um, you know, that's the fun bit. Uh, it's the off-season. And, and I think we'll talk about 2021, but for, for 2022, the lead-up on that, the, the complications with visas, the shortened turnaround, uh, a lot of people don't like, realise is that our season is starting a lot earlier um, yeah, there's challenges, but also, uh, yeah, it's it's part of the magic of being a GM, and um, I enjoy it. I love it, uh, and to put the team together last year and to see it grow this year is is brilliant, and I just cannot wait for this week because that's the fun stuff. Absolutely. Well, mate, firstly, we appreciate you joining us on the MLR kickoff. Uh, we know you're a big fan of the show, and we keep you uh, running over up and down those stairs at the Coliseum week in, week out during the season. Let's talk a little bit of history first. Let's go backwards before we look forward. Uh, an amazing first season for LA. You cap it off with a championship winning against Atlanta. But even further back than that, you've got a successful career playing. You, you go into the media and doing some journalism work down in Melbourne with the Rebels and with the paper down there. Things seem to be on cruise control in Australia. What's... What's the domino that falls in Adam Fry's life that says, hey, let's pack up the family, let's go to LA, let's start a rugby franchise in America? Well, that's it, right? The way you ask that question is my answer. Um, and it all happened by accident, really. I came to LA for my 40th um, in March 20, uh, March 2020 to run the, the marathon, uh, the LA marathon. And... I quarantined a bit of money um, to, to have a 40th birthday party and I spoke to my wife and I said, look, I, I don't know if I want to do that. Um, let's take the kids to Disneyland and I want to run the marathon. And I ended up doing that and just by coincidence, not really, uh, the LA Sevens was on as well. So I went out there and, and sort of timed this to perfection and going to the LA Sevens and I bumped into a, uh, a guy out there that had a dealings with LA, uh, asked me, how's life? And I said, I'm working at Rugby Australia. I've been at Rugby Australia for many years and I worked within Rugby Australia as a player executive in all sorts of roles for about 20 years and simply said that. Um, and then the next morning I'm having coffee in Venice Beach and then two weeks later um, the opportunity came up and I'm having a Zoom call with Gilly and um, somewhat the rest is history. But it, it isn't a hard sell, uh, Dan, and you, you all know that. And in being an Australian on this on this podcast, you understand it is coming into this country. It's, it's incredible, uh, and it's and everyone talks about it around the world, not just in Australia. Is that U.S. rugby? It, it's not a sleeping giant. It's a giant that's just been woken up. And I, I firmly believe there's a ten year runway, and LA can play a part and be a part of that. Whether it's on and you guys know it too, doing media, whether it's on a podcast, or whether you're you're a fan, or whether you're running a team or playing in a team. You want to be part of that journey and it really has it started five years ago and the foundation owners have done an incredible job to build those foundations but now um yeah i've been very fortunate to come into a league that's that's somewhat about to thrive uh where it's probably been surviving and now converting into thriving and easy sell uh, but it was done by accident i was over here to run not the to, to change roles or to have a a life-changing experience um and now i'm wearing uh, i'm part of a rugby team that's pink and blue and very proud of that. Well, you know, Adam, it's uh, Adam Gilchrist is is a bit of a myth, right? A, a, a legend. So, can you talk a little bit about what it's like to um, work for Gilly? Oh, look, I think everyone, every GM or president or CEO that would come on the show, they they all work with some pretty um, flamboyant uh, and owners that 
you know, uh, that are different. Uh, and look, my first dealings with Gilly was back, I think, in 1998, where I was drafted into an Australian Institute of Sport camp as a 16 or 17-year-old. And I think he was under 20s. But back then, you, 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 if you were identified at school, you were brought into the same bucket as an under-21s player. And he was in the under-21s, and I think I was in schools. And I remember seeing um, him in camp. Um, he was an incredible footballer, by the way, and always remembered he had really big calves and he was a real nugget. And um, he uh, ultimately was called nugget in those days when he was a footballer, but he was a, a player on the rise. So that was my first encounter with him. Uh, and then, um, you know, watching him play Colts and he was a schoolboy hero. I think he still holds records in GPS around his ability as a schoolboy player. Like he could have been anything. Then obviously followed him um, through his professional career outside of that with F45 um, and then sort of connected back into him just recently. But it, it, it is funny that we both sort of started in that same camp in Canberra, Australian Institute of Sport, and he's gone on and done some pretty amazing things and sort of went down a different path. And now we find that we're, we're working together. But a lot of people ask me how it is to work with him, but you, 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 the best formula to work with any owner or any boss is someone who is, is brave enough to take risks, who is very, very passionate about rugby as a sport, but he's also very passionate about participation, growth, and seeing USA rugby thrive. And I, and I think that formula with someone who demonstrates a lot of inf innovation, who's bold and wants to make those sort of tough calls and decisions, it's brilliant. I learn every day. Uh, and, you know, the way in which he's sort of brought this club to life, it's it's a credit to him. And, and a lot of the, the sort of good fortune from us has come from his bravery. Um, but, yeah, he, he's a colourful character and uh, we wouldn't want it any other way. And you've got to be like that if you're going to, grow a sport like rugby union in the US, you can't just roll out what the Kings or the Dodgers are doing. You have to be brave and you have to make some big calls and do things differently, like he did in the fitness industry of turning a personal trainer into a LCD screen. So, um, yeah, I, I really enjoy working with him and I really appreciate the support and the people he's put around him to, to, do, it, to do this job. So, um, Gilly asked you to step in with the Loyals, as it was back then, soon to be the Giltinis. Can you talk about like what, I mean, you know, you talked about how this off season is short, but can you talk about some of the things that you had to get through getting into the 2021 season in the middle of a pandemic? Yeah. Um, and no, if I had signed up, I think I signed up in May in 2020, 2020. Um, so yeah, by signing in May, you never would have thought, and that was sort of just when the pandemic was sort of just to ripen up and it wasn't there in Australia. Um, but if you'd told me what was going to transpire in May uh, the following year, I would have, you know, I would have fallen on the, off my chair. But um, setting up a, a new team, and I call this, and whether, and I get a, a bit, uh, some people don't like this, but I personally think LA is the sporting capital of the world where it's got two women's soccer teams, two men's soccer teams, two an NBA women's team, two NBA teams, two. You go through it, but it's double and everything. And you're trying to set up a new sport, uh, that is rugby, in LA, which was the COVID capital of the world at the time, during the height of a pandemic. And really, I flew out of December. Uh, I landed in a little sleepy town called El Segundo uh, on a park bench. Uh, I remember it clearly. I ordered a Rinaldi sandwich, which is a famous sandwich shop. I sat at the bench. I met with my first staff appointment in a guy called Mitch Huberman, who's worked in LA sport for many years. And we sat there and said, well, where's our office going to be? This was in, in December 29. Where's our office going to be? How are we going to get this stadium agreement sorted? All during a pandemic on, on you know, I think it was uh, three months till kickoff. Um, 
And that was the easy bit. We had to work out where we could play because you weren't allowed to train in LA due to LA County protocol during COVID. And I sincerely think the support, and not of a, a lot of it was just my call and doing. Like I was very lucky to have Stephen Hoyles, who was pretty bold and brave back then, and Darren Coleman as the coaches, to put me through sort of, you know, we, we went through every situation. And funny enough, the only part of the country which had uh, relaxed its COVID rules uh, was in Maui, in Hawaii. And we found an old polo field. We mowed it. Uh, it was up the top of the mountains. And it was actually cheaper for us to live in Maui than it was to live in LA. And if anyone lives in South Bay, LA, they know how expensive it is. But it's all by accident. And from there, and I can remember seeing the things come through on social media and were, people were saying, oh, it's all part of their strategy and building camaraderie and culture. Like we had five people in a bedroom and it worked. So we were pretty brave back then. But as I say, it all started with a, you know, a really big greasy sandwich in El Segundo. And um, yeah, we're very fortunate. And I, and I, I sincerely mean this. And Dar- Darren Coleman at the time said it in a Zoom meeting. We used to Zoom a lot, a lot to the point where it was becoming quite painful to keep hearing DC's voice. But he said, the team that manages the pandemic and COVID the best will win the tournament. And and I believe we did that. Uh, and, and it was somewhat by accident, but in the end, we were brave and took risks and we have the support of the owner to do it. But yeah, you would never have thought that we were, you know, dodging horseshit on, on a paddock in Maui uh, that was freshly mowed uh, and that's where we started. And then we end up just looking at some of the picks there. And I know this is a podcast, but looking at some of those picks in the carpet of the Coliseum at the end of the day, it, it's just, it, I, I'm a big believer in these sorts of spiritual things of where you start and where you end. And, you know, if you look at that turf and you look at what we started on, um, yeah, it's a pretty beautiful thing. And to be the, the best thing about it was no complaint from the players. And I know it was Maui, but still it was pretty tough going. Uh, they all stood around and they all bought into it and they all had trust in the coaches and the staff that were going to put their best or their safety first and put them in the best position to train and be together. And yeah, somehow we pulled it off. I talk a little bit about the challenges you face coming into not only a new league, a new team, but a new country for you, for DC, for Hoylesey, for a lot of the players as well coming over. Was there a couple of like aha moments when the the american sports culture kind of got you and you're like what's going on here and then hey we'll we'll help you we'll get you through this (laughs) oh every day and i'm still finding those things dan and um and no disrespect to this incredible country that is the us the bay i'm you know and my family were over here you probably could hear them in the background right now so my apologies um but we um yeah, every day there's challenges, but I think the thing that we, the thing that was the hardest thing for me is I'm coming from a country like Australia where rugby is seen to be, you know, one of the major sports. And here, you know, we are, we're not there yet. So, you know, you walk into a room and the cell is different. Uh, the cell is different. You try to try and explain the sport. Um, the amount of people say, oh, you're, the, you're that footy code that's without pads. Um, you guys are crazy. Um, so, yeah, there are always challenges and things are different, but you quickly adapt and I think a lot of people talk up the amount of uh, foreigners that we had that did very well for us last year and, and they will do again this year as well but you know I, I thought our our local players our you know players that were from here and a lot for, from Colorado as well um, now they helped us out a lot so all those questions and things we, we definitely got the answers from them but there's challenges every day but I think just being part of a a city like LA, and I sort of spoke about it at the top of the call, is very, very cluttered market. But 
it is just so big. And we know who our audiences are. we just got to get them out to the Coliseum. And, you know, we were able to, to sort of get that awareness by being the first ever sports team to play at SoFi Stadium by, you know, breaking the record in the final for, for the Coliseum this year. So it's coming. Um, but our biggest challenge is to be patient because I think we're a few years off for, for you know, having our internal goal is 25 by 25. That's 25,000, which is the whole lower bowl of the Coliseum. And we want to see that full. Yeah, well, the kids are in the background, so I'm going to segue over to the family. You talk about being a risk taker, everyone in the organisation taking risks, but your wife and your kids obviously a huge risk as well. How are they enjoying the American experience? Yeah, we live in uh, in South Bay. Um, and look, the, the best thing about this country, and, and I keep saying this, is they're just so warm and so welcoming. Uh, and I'm not saying Australians aren't, but it's just so in their nature to, to be very accommodating. Um, and, you know, I've... I've met some new friends here that, that I feel like I've known for 20 years. Kids love it. Uh, my youngest has got a, a bit of a tang in her accent where instead of saying banana, she says banana. Um, <laughs> we, we love that, but we are very fortunate. We live in a great city. You know, the best to be fair, to be fair, but to, and, and everyone that comes on this show that's a, a foreigner, right? And, and um, we are so grateful to be part of the MR family. There's no question about it. And, you hear Gitz is reason, Matt Gitter, that is, for his coming to back to MLR. It was based around his wife and his partner and, and you know, he's always travelled around the world and it's been his decision and he made it up to her. So we do take that for granted, not just as footballers, but anyone that's coming and joining the MLR, um, you do take it for granted. You, you take it for granted that you're going and making these big decisions, but they're always coming with you. And, you know, I've got nothing but praise for my family and I know that everyone at our club, including our head coach, you know, the club is built on foundations that are set upon the Gillies done and the, and the footy program we put in. But, you know, we're very, very uh, passionate about ensuring our partners are happy as well. And they come and use our gym. Um, and we, you know, one of the best comments I heard was after the final where one of the kids was crying because um, he got champagne in his eyes, right? So, and sitting there and listening to that and hearing him complaining he's got champagne in his eyes, that just shows you how close the wives and partners were within our celebration of winning that trophy. And I, I know that there was some MLR staff in there, but the wives and the partners, everyone has to be a part of it. And if they're not part of it, um, we're not doing our job. So let's talk about last year, obviously ended well. What was one of the things that surprised you most about the LA Guiltinis? What's one of the things that you were like, Man, I didn't think that we were going to do that as well as we did. Yeah. Um, look, a lot of the things you could say was part of our strategy. Um, yeah, I, I was, and I said at the top of the call, I was really pleasantly surprised with our local talent. Uh, and the appetite for rugby in this city is there. And it's just trying to get them to the football and get them united. And I was speaking to Todd Clever today who works with us. Um, you know, it, if rugby can unite itself, whether it's from a governing body level, and it's very united at an MLR level, and you know, if they can get that bit right where clubs are aligned and everyone's sort of pushing, rowing in the same direction and pushing in the same way, you know, American rugby is going to do some great things. But my, you know, my biggest surprise really was, um, you know, the success of the Guiltinis as a brand. And it's the elephant in the room when I do any podcast or any interview, they keep saying, you know, um, how are you called the Guiltinis? And give us a bit of insight in why you're a cocktail and guiltiness. I was speaking to a journalist the other day and he kept saying the guiltiness. And I said, look, man, I've just got to pull you up there. It's Guiltini. So I was surprised by the end of it. And we got a pretty rough time uh, at the start. 
but that's sort of started to work. And, and, and that's probably the biggest surprise. I think, Pete, was you've got, you know, you've got Red Bull racing where if you go to Formula One, you see fans going ballistic with blue flags with an energy drink on it. You go to Japan and the Suntory, Goliath, who are known. That's one of the biggest rugby brands in the world. So it's there, and I was very nervous about it, but I'm a big believer in it. The drink is going to launch uh, at our first home game. You had, you heard it here first. And the success of that and Gillies and the brands around it, and that's the formula because we've got to start to do things differently. Uh, there is no broadcast revenue yet, and it will come. But you've got to build brands within your, your team and in your sport. And, you know, the front row of the Gilly Goons, and then we started to see people in tie-dye, then we started to see people see people rocking the, the new era uh, hats and it's the brand started to work. And, you know, if you're going to say anything about a surprise and it was I over delivered on what I expected, the brand did. And, you know, I'm a marketer by trade and that's what I've, my background is. And I'm all about brand. Running a rugby team's easy. It's about building your brand. And for us to build a cocktail glass emblem that represents this city and rugby, uh, I didn't think it would take... I, I think it will take some time, but I think they've done a pretty good job today. All right. Last one I'll leave you with. I'll let you get back to the family. Battle of the beverages. It's a big one. Gilly has two teams. What's your relationship like with your counterparts over at the Gil Gronies? I won't tell you what Sam and Gerardo had to say about you. I'll, I'll let you speak and then I'll fill you in. But what's that relationship like? Is it the, is it the backyard brotherly love thing where you want to bash them a little bit harder? than the other teams or how has that been? How has it been treading those waters with the same owner? Are you going to tell me the answer first or are you going to tell me after I say my answer? After, because I, I feel like you'll uh, change directions. I just want the yeah. truth, Look, man. Tom Cruise. It's, it's, it's sort of, it's easier when I've played, you know, played rep footy with Mark Gerard, and, you know, Sam and I played schoolboy football together and, you know, 19s and 20s and went through the ranks together and I think, when I was captain, he was vice. So we're very close. Our kids are sort of the same age. Um, and that's the magic of rugby where you can come over and you both set up. And, you know, we had a moment. We hung out a couple of weeks ago and we we're both sort of sitting there and saying, well, can you believe this has happened, that we're both sitting here together? But, you know, I'm very close with Mike Sheen. We actually ran the last uh, marathon together. Um, and I kept calling. I kept telling everyone I'm running the marathon with my, my dad, which he didn't like. Um, and uh, <laughs> it, it was in orange and I was in blue. And I don't think you've ever seen a, a, a dumb and dumber where they rock up to the ball yeah. and the, the blue and the orange. Yeah, that's what it looked like. But we've got a great relationship, um, you know, and, and you're right. Um, and that's no, no disrespecting to Austin. We want to beat as many teams as possible next year. And, and to their credit, um, you know, and I, and I think just by closing, Dan, it says that I think everyone won something last year. Um, we won the title, fortunately, um, and we had all luck on our side. But if you think about Austin, if there was a title for game day experience, they won it. And if you look at someone like New Orleans for youth and development and how they're building their academy and their depth, they, they won it. And then you go through innovation, New England are far and away doing some incredible things. And then you start to go through all the teams. Um, you know, Toronto deserve a medal just for being in the competition. They, they won the Spirit yeah. of Rugby Award without a doubt. So I think... Now, if I look around the league and in, in Austin, they do a great game day show. Their content's incredible. Um, you've got nothing but respect for them as an organisation. But again, like every other team, I think they're a winner in everything. And our internal goal here is if there's an all-MLR team, we want to have everyone in a staff point of view 
we want to have everyone in that position. And um, yeah, also the benchmark. But yeah, I, I do think the league and all their owners should be congratulated and applauded that everyone's winning something. And I know that sounds a bit corny and cliche coming from the, the team that won it, but I think MLR's got a big future because all the owners are, are very aspirational and they're all winning in different areas. It's just about making sure we all pull it together. Well, Haas, I appreciate you coming on the show. I appreciate you investing your years of experience and time into American rugby and to MLR in particular. We are stronger with you here and working in that direction. Uh, go spend some time with the family and uh, hopefully big win this weekend against Houston, down in Houston, right? Yeah, yeah. And we had trouble there last time. Um, you know, they've got some great talent coming through the USA 7s and you know, there's one player that we'll be um, looking out for, Nick Boyer, who's incredible against us last time. They're a very good team, very well run. Um, yeah, and we're looking forward to it. Hopefully it's a close game for our fans. Perfect. And we'll catch up with you during the year. Excited for another strong effort and another strong season from the LA. How'd you say it again? The guiltiness? Guiltiness? <laughs> the guiltiness. I was about to say, no, no worries, Dave Power and, uh, and Paul Stolberg. So, yeah. no, no, uh, and thanks so much. And, and as I say, I really do enjoy the show. Keep up the great work. Uh, love all your support for, for rugby in this country. Sincerely do. Well, appreciate, appreciate you it, coming on. There you go. Adam Fry, GM for the LA Guiltinis. I know that you and I, uh, you were at the championship. And actually, I think, oh, not to... I think you went, you left me at this point, but the morning of the game, we got there and there was someone running up and down the Coliseum. And I'm like, who, who is that Rando? Thinking maybe it's like someone on the football coaching staff at USC or something. No, it was Adam Fry getting in his fitness before the game. And that's that driven personality that you almost right. need to, to launch a new franchise in, like he called it, the, the biggest sporting market in the world, which is a big claim. It's not unfounded. It's a, you know, LA is a really yeah. strong sports market and they're facing a lot of competition for eyeballs and wallets out there. And you need a guy like that to kind of drive the ship. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan. I'm a big Adam Fry fan just as a, a human being uh, and think what he was able to do with that team year one. Just your thoughts on it, Pete, because I think the pressure of being favourites is sometimes more crippling than, you know, trying to keep up with the favourites. I think that's right. But I think what we heard from Adam, which I think is healthy, right, is that they're not, they, you know, last year wasn't the, the only year. I mean, you looked at who they brought in and you're like, oh, they really just want to win this year. And they're like, no, 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 no. We, we have a plan. Like, I love their 25 and 25, right? Mm -hmm. So 25,000 yeah. people for a game in 25. Like, things like that, when you hear those aspirational goals by teams, and especially teams that, that, that do well on the field, I mean, you don't get 25,000 people to a team that's not winning, right? So you have to win to get those crowds. But I love it. Like, these guys aren't in it for this. You know, last year wasn't, a, you know, we're putting all our eggs in that basket. They're not putting all their eggs in this basket. They are building something that they think can really have value. And 25 and 25 is the start. But, like, you know, there's that 10-year goal of the World Cup being here and, and the opportunity that has to really accelerate the growth of rugby. And it's... Great to hear um, people like Adam and the Giltini organization kind of really talk in those terms about the growth of the game in the U.S.
Absolutely. And LA Rams fans, when the Bengals beat you next Sunday, you can pick up a new sport and come out to the Coliseum and watch rugby. I, I, don't, know, I don't know that that's, I don't know that that's a way to get the LA fans on board to rugby, Dan. I don't well, think that's if, the way if you to do it. Uh, if you didn't keep up on the numbers, there actually weren't any LA fans at the Rams game on the weekend. They're all 49ers fans. I think it was a 75-25 split from San Francisco fans. It was almost a, an entirely red stadium. And they still won, though. Rams, Bengals, we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. We'll, we'll digress. Let's talk now about our very own uh, Herculean monster of a man, Luke White. You got a chance to catch up with Whitey, and you've known Whitey for a long time. He was a... One of the, the nicest, most personable guys. You couldn't you know, find a nicer guy than Luke White. On the field, the total opposite. He just inflicts damage with and without the ball. Is he is softening in his old age? There's only one way to find out. We will see when Pete Steinberg sits down one-on-one with Luke White. Luke, thanks for joining us on MLR Kickoff. Thanks, Pete. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Now, you are one of the original Major League Rugby players here um, in the first year with the uh, Glendale Raptors, as they were back then. But tell us a little bit about what brought you to the States from Australia and how you made that decision. Um, I'd, I had just suffered an, an injury um, and I'd been out for a season with a broken leg. Um, and I was looking for just a new opportunity overseas to get back, get back into to rugby and getting fit and uh i had a mate of mine uh his name is tom cooligan who's a former u.s eagle who's an australian um buddy of mine and he said have you thought about ever going to the states to play and i said no what rugby in america what are you talking about <laughs> and he said go go online and look up this place called the glendale raptors at infinity park anyway i said right i looked it up and and I mean, I, th- I thought it all looked pretty awesome. So I sent an email off to the coach at the time, Andre Snayman, and uh, I got a reply within 12 hours basically saying, let's get your flight booked and get you over here. And uh, here I am seven years later and, and still here and, and loving it. And uh, just like uh, every good expat holding on to your accent. So, um, so you had some great years with um, Glendale and then the Colorado Raptors, um, a captain for, um, for some of that time. And then uh, the Raptors left the league and you were left trying to find a team. Talk a little bit about what took you to LA and how you came to that decision. Yeah, it was, um, it was a very sad moment for when, when Colorado pulled out of the league. Um, it had become my home and, and we'd all, all of us players had become very familiar with it and become very comfortable there. And, um, but then when one chapter closes, often another one opens and um, I'm very lucky that the, the LA opportunity popped up. And I guess I'm also very lucky that the, the, the LA outfits driven by a bunch of Australians. So I, uh, I think I was lucky in that sense. And um just when it was time to, to make a decision, um, I'd been talking with LA and the coach last year, Darren Coleman and, and Stephen Hoyles, so the assistant now head coach. Um, and they didn't have to do too much convincing because it was, you know, within our first couple of combos, I was sold on, on their, their vision and the owner's vision um, for rugby moving forward and, and for my rugby moving forward. And it just seemed like the best fit. And uh, so, so far it's been, it's been pretty outstanding. Right. I mean, obviously a great season last year and in particular a great start. When you came in, 
Did you get a sense that this team was something special from the start? Absolutely. Um, without a doubt, it took a couple of days before I realised this is the most special thing I've ever been a part of. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if you remember, but we were lucky enough to spend um, five weeks of last preseason in, in, in Hawaii, in Maui. Um, and it ended up being the most special rugby tour or trip that I've ever been on. Um, and yeah, as I said, it was very quick before I realized I was a part of something very, very special. All right. So, so you go to Maui and it's like day three. So what is it that makes it special? Cause we've heard a lot about the Giltini culture that like there was no team, right? So normally when you join a team, a team has a culture, there was nothing there. So the teams had to create it. So, so or the players had to create it. So talk a little bit about what the players did to create it and what, what were some of the feelings that you had about the team that made it special? Uh, I, th I think that one of the points that's driven, or, and it's definitely being driven this year, but it's always been driven by us, is being yourself um, and being comfortable being yourself. Um, and that's something that I think is very important, to be able to express yourself and not be able to hold back. Um, and that's something our, our captain, Dave Dennis, um, he says that, you know, if you're comfortable being yourself, then there's no, there, you know, there's no worries that you have to have. And that's just what we do at LA, at the Giltinis, is everyone be, everyone is themselves and uh, has fun um, on and off the field. And when you're having fun on the field, you often have fun off the field. And, um, yeah, it's just uh, just so many different – I think there was, a, there was a plus side to not having a culture, you know, being a brand-new franchise and not having a culture where we're able to start one. Um, and it's been it's – been, successful and it's a, a very fun place to be so let's talk about um last year's season you came out of the blocks just you literally just blew people away i mean it was at the start of the season everyone was like is this even going to be a competition do you think it was the was it the preseason that made the difference was it having those five weeks you talked about it having it i mean i'm sure you've been on a lot of rugby tours and let's be honest in many cases, the tours that you go on are those intense moments, right, that really build teams. Mm. So were you guys just, when you got back from Maui, you were just looking for someone else to hit? It was just like, you, you know, you just wanted to get, like, like hit someone else. You had enough of hitting each other. Yeah. Uh, I, it was a combination of, of um, many things. I would put a lot of it down to we had five solid weeks of prep uh, uninterrupted in Maui. And, and at the time, it was when uh, lockdowns and restrictions through COVID were very prominent. Um, and the reason why we went to Maui is because once we got there um, and had our seven days of quarantine over with, uh, we basically had free reign as to how we could interact as a team. Uh, we were on a, on a horse paddock out in the middle of nowhere, but it was uninterrupted uh, field time. And... At the time, we were seeing New York posting, you know, them scraping out a 10 by 10 metre um, patch of grass on their field, clearing the snow off it so they could get run a couple of skills and drills, whereas we were literally running full sessions every single day for five weeks. Um, and then you mix that with the, the calibre of the coaches, uh, the staff, and then the playing group as well. Um, we were just far... Um, more prepared, I think, than any other team early in the season. Obviously, you see teams catch up as they see more film um, and are able to get their team 
established more. But uh, yeah, I, I put it down to that that, that preseason that we had and and time together to to get everything rolling um, was a key to success throughout. It led us through the whole season, really. You know, you you you, you know, you're obviously from Australia. You talked about the um, uh, the um, the uh, Australian flavour of the LA Goltinis, and you're playing with, you know, two uh, two Wallaby greats, right, in um, Matt Giddo and Adam Ashti Cooper. Did you ever think you'd be playing with those guys? Like, like, I, like you're probably a little bit younger than them, right? So yeah, that's I did. probably someone you looked up to when you were a kid. Well, I did. I grew up. I grew up watching them, and uh, yeah, I, I never ever thought that I'd be playing, you know, on on those fellas' team. Um, and I feel feel very um, lucky and uh, I guess blessed to be able to be in that position and and learn from people who have done it at the top level for how long they've done it for. Um, yeah, I, I've learned a lot from from my teammates and uh, I don't know how Dave Dennis is going to feel about you saying there's two Wallaby greats. I reckon there's three on our team. <laughs> Fair enough, and and, and 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 potentially some future Wallaby greats as well. I mean, it's a pretty, yeah. it's, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty good He'll team. be there one day. Um, I reckon Billy Meeks needs to get called back up. Angus Cottrell, all of them could could uh, step into the Wallaby side very easily. So you know, we we uh, we've talked about how you know you played for um, uh, Glendale, right? And one of the best players there, and then you come into this really stacked Ali Giltini's team. Um, what was the greatest challenge that you had as a player last season? Um, greatest challenge I've had as a player? Uh, I mean, not re- I guess um, maybe trying to balance, because I'm, I'm kind of a person that's what we, and we laugh about it too, I'm a bit of a hybrid in rugby. Is it, it, I play, uh, I can play second row and I can play front row and even, even back row. Um just balancing between the positions and having, because I, you know, I've had to cover front row and I've I've had to play second row. Um, that's probably just been my biggest challenge is just balancing it um, and making sure I'm always, you know, putting my best effort forward. And and uh, I think I I think I do that. Um, I think I put in, you know, my best effort to whatever I do. But that's probably been my biggest challenge is just balancing between uh, positional groups and and sharing my time in training and doing personal extras splitting it between those two positional groups um, has probably been my biggest challenge. But other than that, I mean, everything that you do in rugby is challenging um, and it should be. So, um, but yeah, nothing, nothing that's, uh, you know, too hard that you can't do. You know, the, the uh, um, Giltinis have something that um, not many teams in major league rugby have, and that's a world-class home stadium. And I was there for the, for the final and um, it, it does feel different. Um, you know, the grass is beautiful. The stadium has great sight lines. You know, we were, we were up top. We did the MLR kickoff the day before the final, and you could see the LA skyline. You know, it, it must be a, 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 um, a nice opportunity to play at a historic American stadium and to bring rugby to it. Yeah, uh, it's phenomenal. Um, and that just all, that all adds to the team culture, all the, you know, when you do things that are special, um, it grow it grows the spirit within the team. Um, and our owner, obviously, he's got the right idea. You know, he wants to put us in a home that's special, that makes us feel special. Uh, and we definitely feel special when we get to play there because it's a, an incredible stadium. I've been lucky enough to play when I was at the Raptors. You know, they had the best facility 
um, in the league. Um, and now being able to play at the Coliseum, which blows anything out of the park that I've played at before. Um, we even got to have a run around on SoFi Stadium, which is next week. Yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah, next week's venue for the Super Bowl. Um, we were the first ever team to play there with fans. Um, yeah, it's uh, we're very lucky to be to be able to play in the stadiums we've played in. So, and there's more, more and more stadiums popping up around the league. I think you know Houston have something go, going on really good with their stadium, and and hopefully year by year there's more popping up and. And team, you know, Dallas have access to a great stadium this season, and, and hopefully that keeps growing. So, so when you look back at 2021, Luke, what's one thing on the field that you'll remember 10 years ago? And it can't be winning. It can't be winning the championship. So one thing that, but one thing that happened on the field that you just remember, like a moment or an instance. And I will remember in 10 years' time. Yeah, yeah, something that you'll tell your kids about. And then one thing off the field that you'll remember that you'll tell your, tell your kids about 10 years from now. When they uh, say, Daddy, did you, when, you know, when Major League Rugby's on um, the networks all the time and you'll be like, hey, did you know I played in the very first LA Giltinis team? And they'll be, tell us about that first year, Daddy. What are you going to tell them? Uh, I think, I mean, my, my, when I got my first start um, with LA last year, I think it was maybe... Uh, three minutes into the game, I was able to cross over for a try. Um, and that was just such a um, an exciting moment for me um, to be able to touch down for my new team. That's the game. I think it's being played in the background there now uh, against Seattle. Um, but that's something I'll definitely remember and, and be able to um, and tell, tell my daughter in 10 years' time and show her film back. And, um, and then the, the thing off the field that I'll probably most remember is uh, – I, I guess, I mean, after the championship, we went to Las Vegas and celebrated. That was fun. But I think I've got to go back to that preseason camp in Maui. Um, that was just such a memorable trip that, that I'll always uh, hold hold close to me and always remember fondly. Now, you know, you're, uh, um, like you said, you came over to Colorado. You were here for many years. And your Januaries were normally, like, snow-covered. I mean, I live in Colorado. There's snow out here. I mean, I guess in LA it's not snow covered. Like, which do you prefer, Luke? Which do you prefer? <laughs> I mean, it's definitely a bit easier to get um, the rugby training side of things done out here in LA. Um, I, d- I will say though that I do miss the snow because, you know, being from Australia, snow's a uh, um, it's not a common thing. So um, I definitely do miss the snow, but it definitely. Uh, don't miss it impacting our training. So, but it's nice out here. It's you know sunny and and seventy degrees every day, and we finish training and we go down the beach and uh, yeah. So it's pretty nice conditions to to have a professional rugby team. And and, and let's be honest, most Australians like to be by the beach because that's where yeah, most Australians pretty, live, right? Yeah, that's pretty true. I'm pretty sure Matt Giddo actually lives on the beach, like sleeps on the sand. <laughs> I don't, I, don't, I don't think he leaves. Yeah, he doesn't leave at first. Well, Luke, thank you so much for your um, for your time today. Uh, ex- you know, really excited last year to see you land on your feet, do so with the do so well with the LA Giltinis, and we look forward to watching you play again for the LA side. Thanks, Pete. I really appreciate it, mate. It was great to chat with you. There you go. Good. Good man, good family too. I'm sure you've spent some time with his dad and his mum. They've come over. They were over for the final, got to hang out with them for a little bit there. Just 
love that family, love that Luke has decided to stay in the US and really, you know, devote time to his family and to his craft here. Yeah, and, and I think you're, you're right. I mean, Luke's one of those guys that if um, any rugby team reached out to him and said, hey, can you give us a journey, Jersey? Can you come down and, and run a session for us? Like, if Luke, like, has the time, he'll do it. Like, like he's he's, uh, he's one of those guys that's a real giver. And uh, I'm so happy to see him land on his feet. I mean, he was the heart and soul of the Glendale team and then the Colorado team. And I think, you know, we, we heard he it was hard for him, right? Being in Colorado was his home for eight years when he first came to the States. But yeah. um, sounds like the Giltini's last year was a really, really special experience for him. And I'm very happy that he landed on his feet. Yeah, I didn't have the heart to tell Haas that it was actually him that sprayed the kid with champagne. I said he would tear up his contract. Just kidding. It wasn't why. It was actually probably me. No, it, was, it was Stats Boy. I saw him in the corner with DC throwing the champagne everywhere. All right, let's go to our league preview. Our way too early predictions because we haven't seen we haven't even seen a roster yet, let alone yeah. a game. But Eastern Conference, well, we, we've we've got to roll through these pretty quickly here. Give me your Eastern Conference champion, and so, give me a top three. We'll make it easy because they're, they're going to the playoffs. All right, so um, this is this is tough, right? Because there's been a lot of change, and for both. For two of the top teams in Atlanta and NOLA, pretty late changes in terms of coaching staff. And that, that can have a bit of a, um, a, bit of a challenge. NOLA, obviously, um, you know, uh, a, promoted an assistant. Um, and ATL did the same. But I think that's, that's really tough. I'm going to go a little different here. I think um, New York... Uh, Toronto and the Free Jacks. I think we're going to see a bit of a change in the playoffs. I think I think the latest changes that um, you know the lot the late changes of the coaches that's not easy, right? I mean, you know, we've talked a lot Dan about how it takes really a couple of years to be able to install what you want. New York um, uh, and Toronto um, have, have also Toronto and the Free Jacks have had some changes there, but I also like some of the um, additions that I've seen. So. Uh, I mean, this is like a little bit of a, of a shot in the dark. So, yeah. you know, I could choose Atlanta, New York, and NOLA, and everyone would be like, boring, right? So I'm, a lot of these teams don't have their foreign players. There's been lots of visa issues trying to get people in. It's a, it's a you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Don't um, win I, championships in January. You can yeah, lose them, you but you don't win them. Yeah, you don't win them. That's right. So I, I, I'm, I'm going to, yeah, this is like one of these predictions, Dan, that if it works, I can point to it. If it doesn't work, I'll be like, yeah, it was preseason, right? Yeah. Like if it turns out, everyone's going to think I'm a genius. So exactly. I'm just going to go I, for it. I'm not too different. I'll go New York, Toronto. I'll throw Nola in there. I, I They've got some guys coming back. They're going to have to stay healthy, though. I'm not really thinking on the depth side of things, how they're stacked up with experience in depth because they've given up some of their foreign players uh, that, that can provide some experience. Uh, they're very domestic orientated, which I love. Uh, that American pack in particular, I love. Uh, obviously, got a lot of time for Fitzy um, as well as the GM down there. So they're building something special. And they do they need a breakthrough year. They need to get into the playoffs. It's, you know, their OGs haven't tasted the playoffs yet. So I'll go them. Shifting focus to the West Coast, I'll go first because you did me a solid going first last time. LA will be in there again. I, I... No way. That's such a brave prediction, Dan. Man, that is really going for hey. it. You know, just want to say, like, like, you know, really putting out, like, yeah, pushing that boat out on the, on that selection. LA, Whew, man. 
I'm with you. Uh, just let me. I just, I, apologies. Uh, I'm sorry for talking while you're interrupting there. My bad. Uh, I won't do it again. Uh, I'll go Austin. The Gilgronies will, will push LA to the very limit this year, I think, in the West Coast. And San Diego to return to the playoffs. I think the San Diego Legion, if they can stay healthy, they're putting a lot of time and money into some older veteran players. Nonu, Robshaw, Peterson. If they can stay healthy, those three are healthy. San Diego will be in the mix at the back end of the year. Pete? So I I, I agree with you. I think um, the Giltinis is in. The rest of this conference, I think, is really, really interesting. I like the AGs. I, I'm, I'm with you with Austin. Um, I think last year was a bit of a turnaround, right? So remember, Austin was like a doormat. And last year they were competitive. And all they were was just a little bit more of an explosive offense. They had a great defense. I think Austin will be good. I like that continuity. But outside of that, I mean, do we know what Houston's going to be? Right? Seattle showed, Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. Seattle showed some. Yeah. Like, you know, well, I mean, I think so. The challenge with Utah is Utah are looking, I think, for more organic growth. Right. But Houston have a lot of new players coming in. They have a new coach. Seattle is going to be the first time that um, Clarkey has a chance with a preseason. He showed. You know, they, they had a real new coach bounce, right, last year when, when he came in. So I, I think the Western I think the Western Conference, we might see the top three teams in MLR come out of the Western Conference. I think this conference has a high quality top top to bottom. I'm not sure that there's going to be a, um, a poor team um, out of, out of the, the returning teams. Interesting. Interesting. All right, let's break down this weekend's game. Of course, things kick off February 5th. House mentioned it earlier this year, earlier than before, but it fits where we want to kick off. Obviously, COVID last year had uh, for some changes. February 5th, this Saturday, things kick off uh, in ATL. It's been a tumultuous off-season for Rugby ATL. They'll take on DC, who themselves are coming off an underachieving, underperforming year. I think most people will agree that uh, they did not live up to this hype that they had in that abbreviated 2020 season. Pete, give me your, your winner really quickly on this one. Um, I think ATL. I, I, I'm DCF to show. Um, ATL got a lot of the players that they came back. That they're, they're going to have a really solid foundation, even with the coaching turnover. I, I'm, I'm with you that DC hasn't shown their potential, so they have the chance to do that, but I want to see it before I pick them. Okay, that game, 3 p.m. on the Rugby Network. Moving on, 7 p.m. on the Rugby Network. We welcome the Jackals to Major League Rugby. They will take on Austin in-state rivalry. I'm not sure if this is a Texas Cup thing yet or not. Have we figured that out? We will this weekend. Pete, I'll go first. Austin at home. Uh, I am a little concerned for Dallas this year in terms of getting a tick in the winner's side of the bracket. Uh, and I don't think they'll find love in week one against a very, very sharp-looking Gilgroni's outfit. So AG to get the win here. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Dan. I just want to tell you a little story that kind of excited me. I have a, a client, Fortune 250 CEO, that I'm, do, I'm doing work with, and he lives just outside Austin. And mm-hmm. I reached out to him and I said, hey, I'm going to be in town doing some MLR commentating. commentating. You know, do you want to get together, have a coffee, you know, have breakfast or something like that? He goes, oh, are you doing the uh, Austin game on Saturday night? I was like, how do you know that there's an Austin rugby game on Saturday night? So yeah. excited about Austin that this, you know, this is a guy, he's a – you know, senior executive for, you know, a very large brand name. And, you know, he knew Austin were playing on Saturday night. So Austin are doing some some good things down there. What does the brand rhyme with? 
Uh, not going there, man. Sorry. Okay, sorry. There. Just just checking. So you think Austin will win, though? Just your prediction? Oh, yeah, yeah. Austin will win. Austin will win. Yeah. Okay. No more Joe Rogan stories. Oh, I wasn't meant to say Joe Rogan. Sorry. <laughs> just kidding. It's Elon Musk. Just kidding. <laughs> all right. Moving on. Saturday night. It's all right for fighting. It's all right for footy as well. Two games kicking off at the same time. LA, Houston on the Rugby Network. What are you thinking? This one. So I'm calling this one, Dan. So Ooh. I'm not. I'm, yeah, I'm not going to make a prediction. So I'm but free of that burden this year. I Yeah, you can pick. Um, so what I would say is, I think this might be one of the more intriguing games of the first round because we're going to learn a lot about Houston, and Houston could be, like I said, one of the big dogs, one of the one of the teams that really makes a step forward, and we'll find a lot about them in this game. Yeah, they've they've got JT on yet, who hands down probably the most handsome president in, in world rugby. Um, the worst golfer, but the most handsome and just an all-around great guy. I would have loved this game to be in about six or seven weeks. And I know they'll play each other again, but I don't think Houston have everyone in town yet. Yeah. Uh, we talked about those things with Harson, and it's going to be universal across the league. I think LA just have enough of their squad in town from last year to probably be a bit more consistent here. First game of the season, short and preseason. Bang, I'll go LA down there. Uh, what are you thinking? Did you pick someone? Did you pick LA? Oh, you're calling I'm not it. Picking, I'm calling it. Yeah, yeah, my bad. Okay, well, you can't call this one because it's the same time. New England at NOLA down at the Gold Mine. Well, if I'm, England, stick, right? yeah, if I'm going to stick with my predictions, I'm going to go with New England. Although I love what NOLA's done down there. In the gold mine, I, I think that stadium's going to be great. I'm sure that they've made some more steps forward on it. And they they have been pretty good at home. Um, I think this is like what I'll predict, Dan, is that this will be one of those grind outs that Nola had. I know they've got some of their um, some more of their players that were either injured or not available last year back in that back line. But mm-hmm. I, I think it's going to be I, I think it's be good. You know, you know what I'm going to say? I think Nola wins this game. I think New England, they have a disadvantage early on in the season. Um, in terms of training. No one's going to win this game, but New York will, will, will pip them into a playoff spot by the end of the year. Man, I'm going for Nola. You, yeah. Nola as well. <laughs> Just at home. Fast track. A lot of snow in the northeast. Probably doesn't help with the preparation. Right. All right. We've got two games Sunday. Utah at San Diego is the early game, 5 p.m. Eastern. That one's on the Rugby Network. What are you thinking here? You calling this one? I'm not calling this one. I'm, I am calling the, the next one, Toronto-Seattle. So this one, um, I, I love this game. I think I'm going to give San Diego. I'm with you, Dan. I think San Diego early in the season. I think they'll have an advantage. They've got a lot of experience. The question is, can that experience hold throughout the season? So should they, you know, when they're fresh and they're playing well, I think, I think they're going to be difficult to handle for anyone, including the LA Guiltini. So I would say San Diego here early on, but I think um, I want to see what Utah look like and, um, they were good last year, but like I said, a lot of teams have made some really significant improvements. And, um, you know, I think Utah are looking to grow maybe a little bit more organically. Yeah, that's well said. I'm going to go San Diego as well. Uh, I know Martin Onu just got into town. Not sure if he'll be on the roster this weekend with the quick turnaround. You'd think if he's in shape, uh, you get him out there, at least throw him on the bench to get him out there. I mean, if I was a Utah player and I don't see Manon's name on the roster, I'm feeling a lot more confident getting on the right. plane going to San Diego than if he's on that roster. So yeah, even if a little bit of mind games from Danny Lee there. Uh, so the late game is Toronto-Seattle. You can't do that. 
I just don't know. Is it 2019 Seattle that shows up? Um, or is it, you know, 2019 Toronto that shows up? Or what? I, we played that great semifinal there in 2019 between these two sides. Toronto oh, yeah. 2020 yeah. and beat them, like beat them bad at home. Uh, they smashed that with Sammy Malcolm just kicking points from every part of the field. Uh, and he's back. He'll start at 10, you would imagine, uh, for the Arrows this weekend or at 15. And I just think Toronto here, again, I, I want to pick Seattle because there's nothing better than Starfire, especially, you know, 7 o'clock their time on a Sunday night. It'll be packed uh, and it'll be a great time. No, no better place to, to watch rugby than Starfire when that place is rocking. But I think Toronto, again, just through the consistency, these early season games, it all comes down to familiarity and consistency of your um, of your methods. And I think that's probably going to suit Toronto more here. But Seattle could surprise some teams this year for sure. I, I, I like Seattle. I, I like what Clarkie did last year. I think he made some pretty strong choices. Obviously identified some additional players that really had an impact. Um, I think Seattle are going to pull this off. Um, I, I think it's hard. For, it's a long trip for Toronto. I think that they're, you know, another one of these teams that it's it's cold up there. It's, you know, I think there's definitely a disadvantage, Seattle. Um, hey, it's cold and wet, but it's not snowing. And so I'm actually going to go, you know, just to get a little flavor on this, Dan. I, I think Seattle will pull this one out. You're calling this game. You're not allowed to pick teams. Oh, that's right. I'm not allowed to pick team. It's going to be a tie. You're fired. Week <laughs> one. Didn't even get a game done. Which, which all right, we usually we... we in the past, we've done the national game as game of the week, but let's just do what do you, what do you, what's your game of the week? Which one are you looking forward to the most? I I'm oh man, there's there's a lot of great games, but I'm really looking forward to LA Houston and then Utah San Diego. Those are um, two two games I'm not calling, right? So I get to enjoy them and watch them just as a fan. But I think both of those games will tell us a lot about what the season looks like in the West. I'm going to go Toronto-Seattle, three reasons. I think it's one of the great early rivalries that we've had just from, you know, circumstance. So they've played some absolute classics against each other. I love Seattle when it gets crowded and big up there and I, they'll pack it out. So it's just great to watch on television. It was great to call in person when we were there. And three, I get to listen to you. So uh, that's, uh, that's three great reasons for that one in my game of the week. There you go, you get, don't make don't mess up. I'm just going to be texting you the entire time. I know. No, don't worry. Like, like I'm gonna, uh, I'll have it. I'll, I'll be there. Any advice you can give me, Dan, I'll, I will. I will take. I'll even if, if if you give me if you give me a good nugget, I'll even like give give you a shout out. No, even a shout out. No, you let. let it's like the old Viking days. I'm on my ship. I'm out to sea. Just shoot the arrow. Let me burn. Free my spirit. It's going to be great. Well, Pete, pleasure as always. Thanks for joining us. It's going to be an absolute great weekend. It's so exciting that Major League Rugby is back uh, in a big way. 2022 is shaping up to be a massive year. We're going to have everything you need throughout the season here on MLR kickoff. It's going to be a great time for Pete Steinberg, the professor, Aaron Castro, Ryan Ginty. I'm Dan Power. This has been the MLR kickoff.